Funding for Start the Beat is provided in part by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last conversation. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer, soda, water, coffee, or tea in the fridge. Whatever you like. Cheers, my friend. I'm not sure if you have anything to drink over there. Just let me know that you you just got off work. Yeah, I just had a glass of wine, a little bit of uh, LaCroix, and just some water. <laughs> that works. That works. Wine works as well, too. You don't keep it in the fridge, but it's definitely an acceptable drink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I work early in the morning around 4 a.m., so I want a day drink now at like 1 o'clock because <laughs> well, it feels uh, like five. Yeah, I can't imagine how that like would flip your schedule. I've never had a job that was like I've always had more of a, you know, a normal situation when it comes to my employments. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. So everybody, make some noise for my friend Luke Welts. <laughs> the internet's happy that you're here. I'm happy that you're here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. I'm glad to be here. Happy to have you. So, for anyone that does not know Luke, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? So, my name is Luke Welts. I'm a singer-songwriter from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I'm 26 years old. I am currently working on my debut record that's going to be getting released at the top of next year. Um, I'm doing my recording at Apple Eye Studio, and I have a full band along with other acts, solo duos, and whatnot. Yeah, I've I noticed, you know, on the email you sent me a list of everybody that had played on the album, and it's quite a lot of people. So, what I'm curious about is just getting involved in the music scene. I know this is a solo debut album, but had you played in any bands or like known and had connections to people in the music scene prior to being involved in this? Yeah, that was uh, most of uh, the time leading up to now. I started getting involved in bands when I was 15. Um, my very first band was called Last Resort. It was a group of middle-aged guys um, that did kind of like country, blues and rock and roll. Um, they were really easy to work with, really reasonable guys. Um, I was in a few other bands. I was in the Warehouse 11 band. I was also in uh, Four Remains as another band. So I had a lot of side projects leading up to this. Kind of, I was doing a lot of stuff in other groups and spending my time just learning different styles of music, different chord progressions. And um, yeah, eventually I, I finally networked enough between you know the open mic scenes and doing gigs and getting to know other people that uh, I had a pretty big list going in before I started recording this record of who I could call in. And uh, it's really great because you get, you get so much variety, you know? Yeah. 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 I think it's really cool. Just listening to the few post, not post-production pre-production, the complete opposite, the pre-production <laughs> tracks that you had sent. I'm getting a ton of influence. It seems like, you know, there's, just a lot of variety in the tracks and it definitely makes sense that it's you're coming from this background of working with all of these different musicians in the past and 
building resources and finding out what you want to do. And the fun thing about a solo album is that you kind of just get to do whatever the fuck you want. So it doesn't have to be like in a box, you know, was that maybe part of why you decided to pursue doing something on a like solo level, a solo career or solo artist, however you want to put it was just like, were you feeling maybe like, um, like maybe constrained in some ways being in other projects, not being able to do everything you wanted to. No, I always had a good balance. I'm pretty good at time management. The way it happened for me, it was a momentum of kind of like a snowball effect with music. Uh, you know, I started out in the open mic scene, just, you know, playing for whoever was there, you know, for, I'd say for about two to three years. And then I started booking gigs just as a solo act. Um, and that got to a point where it got pretty busy and, uh, I found bands interesting. I wanted to get involved in bands. So I, I did that as well. I just made sure to manage the scheduling so that things didn't fall on the same day. Yeah. People get pissed off or whatever. So, um, and it just got to a point where it just kept building and building every year a little bit more, um, make a little bit more per year, get more gigs per year. Um, you know, things started adding up for me as I decided to pursue music. So you seem to be a, a relatively busy individual outside of music. You seem like you yeah. have a lot on your plate. Um, and none of us are getting any younger. And it becomes, you know, in a lot of ways, it becomes easier to maintain all of this stuff if you can learn how to schedule all of these things. But it's, you know, every once in a while, you come across that why. Why do I still bother trying to do all of this so what is the why for a luke welts why are you still trying to do this as you enter your late 20s and you have all of these other things on your plate what do you think it is that's driving you to continue to go through all this bullshit i think it's just not feeling the backlash it's it's good work i don't even like to call what i do work i just it's my passions in it there's no resistance to the task at hand you know whether it's music or my job, you know, I, I enjoy all things. So I don't feel baggage. I mean, sure. There's been situations where, you know, had to kind of talk to people one-on-one and really be good at communication and uh, kind of move on, you know, nothing turned out perfect, but um, I just don't feel, uh, I don't feel any strain with the version of my life right now. Yeah, that's, that's a great place to be in and it's not always an easy place to get to. So, Let's go back. Let's let's hop in the time machine. Let's okay. travel back. You know. So you had mentioned you had started playing in bands around the time that you were fifteen, I think is what you said. Was that the age yeah. you threw at me? So what was life like then? What was high school life like for a Luke Welts? And what was just discovering music like in general? Because that's a, a most like a very uh formative and a pivotal time for, you know, a growing person in general especially someone that's going to become a musician yeah um what i'm about to say isn't like a really cool story or like a climactic tale um i learned music a lot through isolation um i played piano by myself a lot in the basement um in my dad's workroom like my dad had a big desk where he did the bills and then he had just you know animals hanging up on the wall there's a bear a fish a couple deer heads in there and all this shit there's a piano there so i was basically playing for dead animals growing up um (laughs) but high school was good for me i played a lot of sports didn't get involved in any form of entertainment 
just because I was so involved with football and track and field and lacrosse and different different activities like that music was like a side thing i would do just to relax you know at home by myself i didn't really share it with anybody if i saw a piano i'd go by and you know do a little something just to show people but never anything with full commitment i guess you would say like growing up it was more or less uh just a personal hobby totally so you had more of a focus on sports and school extracurricular shit it seems and with that being said, I think that maybe, you know, as you've moved forward in life now, in your 26-year-oldness that you have mentioned, yeah. uh, you seem yeah. to have your shit reasonably together more than other 26-year-olds I have known in the past. And I'm curious if some of that maybe comes from, like, the discipline and training of, like, being on sports teams and needing to do practice and take care of yourself and your mind and your body and all of that. Because a lot of people that get into music and the arts don't always have that. And it kind of, by the time they get to becoming 26, they're kind of like fucked up and hanging by a thread. And it seems like you're not. So do you like ever think about or attribute any of that to maybe having more of like a disciplined upbringing with all that stuff you're doing? I think I just learned what hurt me, you know, um, I, if I saw, or if somebody else failed, I think that's a really big learning tool as well. Okay. So in terms of now transitioning from, you know, post high school, um, I don't know if you continue to do sports or anything, but eventually you talked about getting into bands and all of that stuff. So what was the transition like getting going from, you know, that high school life into like college or not college, whatever it was that you did and how did music play a role in any of it? Yeah, recently, um, I mean, the version of my life I live now is, is a little different from my, my past life. I was actually just going to school. I got out of high school and went to college. I went and got a bachelor's degree at uh, Indiana University, IUP. Shout out to IUP. Um, I got a bachelor's degree there and I minored in dance. So I was in sports medicine. That was my main degree. Um, after college, I graduated 2017. I moved on, started working in PT clinics and hospitals and stuff like that. And then um, things just kind of started changing on their own, but I don't want to get too far down the road. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, for someone that is so young, it seems as though you have, you've lived many lives. I believe even in the, the email that you had sent me, you had mentioned that you'd pursued being a comedian at one point in time. Yeah. I, I used to pursue comedy. I used to go down the ham bones in Pittsburgh because it was the only open mic I could find. And I went there on Monday night and I would just go up there and go down in a burning flame of glory. Like I made <laughs> bombing really look bad. Like I just, I, I ate shit so hard there. And then I was like, well, I got 10 minutes together. Maybe I'll try with the hometown crowd. Like maybe I'll get the home field advantage <laughs> if I bring it back home to Westmoreland County. So, um, I started an open mic at Spills Tavern in New Alexandria. Uh, they're currently still, um, closed up, but, uh, yeah, we used to host open mic. I remember the very first one, it was crazy. There was like 12 people on the list. It was going down. P place was packed. There was like 70, 80 people there that night. And um, we had people do so many different styles of comedy. There was a lady who did uh, ventriloquism with the puppets. You know, yeah. she did some. You know, it was it was really cool. Um, people used instruments. You know, I used to write comedic songs, kind of um, like Bo Burnham kind of thing. He was like something I looked at when I looked at music combined with comedy. So 
you know, now with the the music that you are doing, the stuff that I've heard, this solo debut, I don't find it very funny. <laughs> it's not. A, it's obviously not a comedy approach to things. So, where are you at now with the comedy? Are you just trying to just focus on one thing at a time? Yeah, I've, I've basically decided to put all the eggs in one basket because it gives me peace of mind to have focus on one target. So I, I disbanded comedy. I gave the open mic to Steve Schindler. Shout out to Steve Schindler. Hope you're doing well, buddy. Miss you. Um, he, he finished hosting the open mic while I decided to just kind of pursue music. So then now you, when did you start the process for this solo album that's going to be released? It was kind of clunky the way we went into it. Uh, the top of the year, I was actually thinking about uh, moving out of state. Um, maybe cutting just a single and uh, I was driving with Sean in the car one night and he goes man I would just love to record you like you know he he, he I could tell he wanted to do it and I, I kind of just folded I kind of caved in and said you know what yeah let's go because I've been writing since I started getting in the music scene when I was around 15 I was always writing songs on the side by myself away from my projects just to have my own material because I think there's something in having your own material um, so I I had a lot, and uh, I told Sean, I mean, it, it, I'll give you everything I've written to this point in time. Um, Sean's a guy who owns Apple Eye Studio, and he's also the drummer uh, for the Luke Welts band. Um, I told him, I'll give I'll give you everything I got, and and this record's going to have pretty much everything I've got. I have some new songs now that I'm writing currently, maybe for a possible single down the road. Um, I mean. I have a lot of songs, basically is what I'm saying. But I just decided to kind of cave and go into the studio and just see what happened. Because I, I was always involved in other ideas and other projects and never really had the chance to dive into something that was totally authentic. You know, Sure. It could be hard. And I've mentioned this before on the show. I've actually mentioned it at nauseum. So apologies to anybody that's heard me talk about this shit 10,000 times already. But, you know, at... at as yourself, your person, if you put your life on a pie chart, you only have that 100%. And the more you divide it up, the less time you can put into each individual thing. So yeah. if, you're, if you're trying to do 10 different things, the best that you could do is put 10% into each of those things. And that's right, not really yeah. doing anything a favor, especially, I mean, and it gets even smaller because if there's only 24 hours in a day, if you want to look at it like that, and you're working this time and you're spending time with family this time and you're sleeping this time. It's like, fuck, I only have, you know, so many hours and I'm trying to do six, seven different things <laughs> in four hours. Why is nothing getting done? Yeah, I think there's something I, I, with me. I think I can only do three to four things max in this life or this time I have on this earth. Um, I really narrow my perspective and my focus to the point now where like work bills and music is enough for me. I, I, you know, I don't need to do comedy or, or pursue other things. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing less. I'm trying to do less now at my age. Yeah. I think sometimes less is more. And boy, do I sound like a hypocrite saying those words, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But I, I definitely feel it. And I try my best to be very aware of like, why I'm doing the things that I'm doing because sometimes I feel like I have to do things when I don't actually have to oh. do these things. 
Yeah. It's just like, what do I, you know, but then there's also times where it's like, I want to do things, but just because I want to do something doesn't mean I should do it. So like, you know, and there's no way to know what the right thing to do is or what the wrong thing to do is because, I mean, within reason, we're talking about like art, you know, we're not talking about like, oh, like I should probably go to the grocery store and make sure everybody has food. Like that's a, that's a requirement. I'm talking about like, oh, should I work on this song with such and such that I'm not even in a band with. We've just been joking about doing collaborations for the past three years. But that's the fun thing about having a solo project is that you could kind of funnel those things in. So, yeah. right, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No worries. I was going to say. So, with all of the collaboration efforts outside of the people that are in the Luke Welts band, I mean, you have a good handful of people on there. So, what has the process been like? working with outside people and getting to work with people that do so many different styles of music. I mean, now with the internet, it's just so easy with contact information, you know, Facebook messenger, text messaging. Um, I had all the contacts pretty much before going into the studio. And um, I thought if we're going to do this, we're going to get everybody's best thing and try to bring it in and make it like a, like a big family record kind of thing. I actually am planning to do like a little, behind the scenes kind of interview, like interview everybody that was on the record cool. sort of thing, make a video like that. Um, Cause there's a lot of hands in it. Um, but it was just, okay, what, you know, day one, we walk in, okay, here's 15 songs. You know, you, you, you jot up drums, bass, guitar, vocals, all that. Um, and you just start with the low hanging fruit and work up and whatever, wherever you're at in the record, in the middle of the recording process, you just, call in, you know, make sure you schedule ahead of time. Like I've always been good at getting in contact with the drummers or the female vocalists ahead of time and just saying like, Hey, this is coming up. Um, you know, always ask for like a yes or no. Do you want in or do you want out kind of thing? And then, you know, just communication. Communication is huge. Communication is the most important thing in the world. So what I'm curious about, uh, going back to, you had mentioned a lot of your music and learning how to play and discovering music came from isolation, playing, playing piano to dead animals. Right. (laughs) So, you know, did you have a hard time whenever you started like showing music to other people and becoming a thing where it's like, Oh, I am playing. Was it weird at first or did you not have that performance anxiety that some people have as a result of already like playing sports and being around people a lot? I think I got dealt a really good hand of cards. Um, because when I started playing music, it was mostly in front of family members, you know, it was from my grandmother's and from my, you know, my mom's mom and family, you know, around Christmas time, I couldn't wait to try to do jingle bells. <laughs> So um, I got I got I got a lot of resources that helped me get eased into just getting used to it. No singing involved initially, but eventually I started to work with the vocals and, and stuff as I was going out. Um, I feel like if everybody had that though, like I feel like if everybody had the opportunity to have an instrument play in front of their family and then eventually try to take it out live somewhere, I think a lot of people would be successful in music. But a lot of people don't have those resources, you know. Yeah, I think that it's definitely not a common thing and that's awesome that you had that resource does um i mean you had a piano in the house so does there anybody else in your family that was involved in music or just yeah. was it okay so you yeah come, that's good i was gonna say so you i was gonna say so you come from a, a somewhat musical background 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, my mother's mom played the organ and sang in the choir at the church we went to growing up. So there was a real-life piano always at her house, and uh, I would play, and she would show me some things. And she had books and notations, stuff like that, and I just I started to learn. And I remember when I first sat down, because I, I think this speaks to something where, you know, some people say they can't learn musical talent because it's not in their genetics or in their family. Um I think there's something to having musical talent in your genes because when I was a kid, I would, I would just kind of go at it. Like there was, there was like no resistance kind of thing. Like I already kind of was putting together chords before I even knew the notes or where I was at on the, on the piano, you know, sort of thing. It, it, it felt like it fit my hands kind of from the, when I was a kid. Yeah. I, I think that there's a thing to, you know, just seeing somebody that, you know, um, and you have a relationship with, if you see them do something, you feel like you can do it. You know, if you see, mm-hmm. you know, I remember watching my grandma make a sandwich and then, you know, she caught me making myself a second sandwich a half hour later because <laughs> like I saw what she did. I was like, well, I could do this. And all of a sudden I'm playing with a knife and have all this shit. I'm like, Hey, <laughs> it's fine. But, uh, I think there is definitely something to that. What I'm curious about now is moving forward and going outside of the house and outside of playing stuff with your family, but actually performing with other musicians. What was that like? Because I think that sometimes that could be weird the first time you get into a room with other musicians and learning how to lock in with them. Yeah, they go wild. Because you, I learned structured training mostly growing up, gospel music and you know, with my grandmother being in the church and, and stuff like that. And then going to an open mic night where... Some guy's got a little buzz on playing blues guitar, or maybe that maybe he's not drinking, but he, you know he's he's playing the blues, and you go from playing that genre right into the blues. It's it hits you like a brick wall. You're like, <laughs> what do I do? You know, um, there's a lot of times where the guys just looked at me and said, you know, hey, we're in the key of B flat. I never touched that note in my life. But I said, okay. <laughs> I think that there's definitely something too where you know just learning how to lock into different rhythms with other musicians. I think sometimes as a solo musician, you know, it's easier sometimes to maybe like, Oh, maybe my BPM is going to fluctuate down a hair here or there. Or if I change the swing of a part, it's just me. So it's okay. But if you have three, four, five other musicians on stage, it's like everybody has to know when that swings coming, when that feels coming. Otherwise it's going to be like clunky, you know, (laughs) Especially yeah. with the kind of music that you're doing now, I mean, and what it seemed like you were playing, because you know there are some genres of music where like things can be a little sloppy, and you could be okay, you know what I mean, like a like a punk rock or something, where it's like it doesn't all have to be a hundred percent on. But if you're doing like more of like a focused groove oriented sort of rock singer songwriter piano sort of thing, like what you're doing, everybody really has to know their shit. Yeah, they really do. And like I said, it's crazy when you're in the middle of it. I was lucky enough to have mentors kind of going into the open mic scenes. Like I had a lot of guys, older musicians that were kind of like, hey, just go up there. Like my Chris Volt, for example, every night I go to Spills Tavern, hey, go up there, go up there. And one night I just kind of folded in, just went up there. And then I kind of I kept that that mental, I guess, reaction going because there's like a giving in feeling, you know, internally when you do that. So 
I think that there's probably something really cool about coming up in a music scene in a smaller town because I grew up in Pittsburgh. So I've always lived in the city proper and, you know, coming up in the city here, um, it's not always like this, but there's a lot less of like a neighborhood neighborly sort of go get them. You could do this. I mean, a lot of like any open mic experience or shows that I had when I was first starting, it's a lot of like, it's like still isolation. Like everybody's just kind of in their own little bubble. They do their thing and then they don't really talk to each other. I remember the first time I played a show. I remember specifically the first time a stranger ever came up to me and said a word to me at a show because I'm still friends with this person. And it was like, what? Like we can do this. Like we're allowed to say hi to each other and, talk to each it was so weird because i'd spent maybe like two years not talking to anybody at any shows i played it was so strange but it seems yeah. like it was maybe a little bit different for you yeah it, it was the flip-flop of that basically i mean everybody is like a little family around here like we all miss each other right now because back in the day when everything was normal you know you walk in you see the same nine ten faces you see every tuesday or every saturday and, and you hug and you laugh and you talk about good times and you just build that, those relationships and you, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and you'll even ask about, Hey, Hey, where's, uh, where's Alec? Where's Alyssa? You know, people start asking, you know, it's like they're missing, you know, it's like, you know, I, I deal at the casino, I got players and stuff and, you know, in the mornings they come in, they want to see the, you know, we got regulars that come in. So they all check up on each other and, and musicians are the same way. We all check up on each other around here. Um, like I was just talking to, uh, Joe Scheller, who's doing saxophone on the record. And I got to see a lot of us saw each other develop into who we are now. And so that's why our relationships are strong. And that's why we'll talk to nauseam on the phone for an hour, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is and get advice from each other and feel free to it's open conversation. Um, you can ask for advice, especially if you don't know what to do or um, like I, I that's kind of how that's a lot of the reason why I'm where I'm at today. You know, as far as equipment goes for the, for the instrumentation, the music, I just asked, Whoever was doing it and older and had more experience than me. And we're all open like that in communication. It's just, it's a growing scene. That's what I always love, you know, being in, uh, playing in bands and getting to play out of town. I'm always really excited when we get to play like those small, smaller town shows because you get that family and community vibe that I don't get. Like if we play like, you know, a show and like, you know, some like in like inner city Philadelphia, you know, it feels just as disconnected and weird as it might playing a show here. But if you play a show in a, Oh, a trobe or like an Allentown or a Harrisburg or Punxsutawney or something weird, it's like, there's going to be real genuine people there that actually want to hang out and talk. The bands are always cooler. It's like, sure. Maybe the stages are smaller and like the equipment's not as great, but I'd rather be in like, a half decent room with phenomenal people than in a decent room with shitty people. Yeah. They grow your mind. They give you ideas. Like a lot of the covers I do today are from suggestions that people think I sound like, you know? So in terms of like playing shows where you're at and like maybe you going out and playing shows, maybe down here in Pittsburgh or in like another bigger city, if you ever had the chance to do any of that stuff, did you notice any sort of a difference with the vibe of the room and the people that were there? The city scares me. I'm like a deer in the headlights. I don't know where the cross, I don't know where the roads go. 
<laughs> it's totally, it's like I'm going into another country. <laughs> I'm like, I'm playing in Pittsburgh tomorrow night at the Crafts House uh, at 6.30. And, you know, that's an easy drive. I've been there this year. But as far as other venues in Pittsburgh, I mean, you ask me to go, I get a little... Yeah, a little high strung, like, okay, it's different than the small town, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. So with the pandemic now, we're living in this very flip floppy, strange time. You're still working with the public. Obviously you have gigs, you're working at the casino and you know, you're in a fortunate situation because with what the kind of music you're doing, you're able to kind of be on a stage away from people and people can kind of sit down and have their food and do their thing and you could still kind of do your gig. So, you know, did you have much of a difference in like shift in life as a result of this or have you been able to kind of navigate it in a way that it still works for you? I feel the shift and I would say I'm navigating it as well. Um, The shift is that now everything is bordered up around you, whether you're a performer or an entertainer, um, there's, there's more distance now between you and your audience. Um, so I feel that, but I feel like I'm adjusting by, you know, keeping the distance and working in safe environments and just choosing where to put myself. Absolutely. I think that, you know, it's very interesting, uh, listening to different people's takes on all of this stuff, but it seems like, for the most part, as long as you're just willing to accommodate whatever needs society needs you to do. It's it's mm-hmm. like in a weird way, it's like we all have to be uh, performers to some degree now, even if we're not entertainers. It's like life is this performative thing. Like, you know, like being on stage, it's like, oh, this is my spot and I have to stay here. But if I move out of the light or if I move away from the microphone, people aren't going to hear me, that sort of a thing. But now it's like, oh, this is my spot and I have to stand in this spot to be socially distanced from these other people. And I have to be aware of where other people are. As if I'm like a sports player on a field, I have to be aware of all of these other things, you know, it's like, but everybody's like that now. And I don't know. Times are weird. It's, they are weird, yeah. but I, I think it's just uh, this year, the biggest thing is your perspective. You know, you can look at it as a time of restoration and refueling yourself and making things better, or you could be one of those people that think they're climbing an uphill battle every day of their life when they get out of bed. I guess that's to be said about life in general, honestly, even pre-pandemic. <laughs> With yourself outside of the music outside of work and all of this other stuff do you have any other hobbies that you still entertain to keep you going do you have time for anything else yeah um holidays come up so i'll make some crafts uh, i got a couple of craft ideas i got i got some things going on there i like to paint as well i do acrylic paintings um it's a very relaxing thing it's like a those recess for the mind activities running is a big thing too i like running um just around here, around small, big, big town, Latrobe here. Um, so, and seeing family a lot. Um, my family is involved in my day-to-day life. You know, I see, I see different types of family members or different, different family members, I would say four or five times a week. Do you all live pretty close together? We do. Yeah, we do. Some nights, uh, you know, uh, like my situation is I live in an apartment. Um, so some nights if I need to do laundry, I'll go 
see my folks, you know, it gives me time to spend with them or go see my aunt and uncle, do something like that. Like last night I was doing laundry in my aunt and uncle's house and we went over to my grandfather's house. There's like 10 minutes. So like we're all 10 minutes away from each other. We're all, it's like we on the block, <laughs> it, but we're all real close. So we just, we, we go through life together now, just, you know, as a unit. Absolutely. So you grew up in the same area where you're at now. Yep. Okay. I grew up in Crabtree, which is uh, kind of like the backwoods of Latrobe. Um, I live more in the town of Latrobe now, whereas before I grew up kind of away, away from it, more farmland, more fields. I'm under the assumption, just based off of our conversation so far, that you're somebody that prefers the small town life over like big city dreams. Um, I think I'm at, I wouldn't say I don't want to discard big city dreams. Cause I, I do have big dreams. I'm a dreamer. So, um, I, I see myself going forward and, and possibly going into bigger areas and dealing with that in my own way sort of thing. Like, I, I don't think the way I am now is going to be the way I'm going to be five years from now. Understood. I think that, you know, being a musician, that concept of like wanderlust and the open road, it's just like an inevitable side effect of it. Is it something where you feel like, you know, you would want to go out of town to pursue music or is it just even outside of music, just like getting outside to just experience different things and see more of the world? Yeah. Music is my plan A in life right now. Basically the hierarchy of my plans are, um, Plan A is music and, and what I do with my band and what we do going forward. Um, plan B, you know, is kind of what I do now. I work at the casino. It's a steady job. I get benefits and everything's included. It's a pretty secure job, so I like to keep that. Um, plan C would be a uh, family business. My uncle owns a car shop. Shout out to J&J Recon, Jim Solani. <laughs> um, that's my uncle. He, he owns a detailing shop and he's always had open arms to me if I ever need to make some, make some money down there. So, uh, I have different things to fall back on, but as far as going forward, yeah, music's music's at the forefront and, um, I'm just starting to get into the idea of investing money into things to help with whatever it is, equipment, promotions, advertising and stuff like that. Cause if this is my plan, A, I got to treat it like it's a plan A. It's a business sort of thing. So Sure. This is something I've actually been talking with a lot of people about um, on the show recently. And it's just like, you know, revenue income and having multiple sources of revenue income. I think it's really smart for anybody, especially anyone that is like an entrepreneur and working for themselves, regardless of whatever it is. Because, I mean, it's like learn from the people above you, right? And, you know, I can't think of many successful musicians that are like you know the top of the line that don't also like have a clothing company or have like some weird toothpaste or some other bizarre thing that they're doing on the side to make money it in addition to like oh like you know like i know people in big bands that are also like investors in like restaurant groups around the city or people that you know do stocks and shit like that or people that have real estate like all of those things it's like you can work on so much more once you start making some money i think it's a really good idea to invest it in these different places because like everything isn't always going to be 100% successful it's like that pie chart again right so if you need 100% success to sustain, but you're only relying on one thing, 
you know, it's like, fuck. But if you have six different things or four, you know, for easier math, we'll say five, five different things. Well, now you only need each of those things to be 20% successful at most. And you'll have the 100% you need. But the advantage is that like, well, now you can actually profit because now if you have five things that are 30% successful, now you're at 150% of your 100%. I don't know. I was always terrible at math in high school, and I don't know why I think about it so much now. <laughs> me too, man. A geometry, them triangles fuck me up. <laughs> I think that, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing that definitely some artists, I think, don't think about until maybe it's a little bit too late. I think that maybe you come from a different background where maybe because like, i think this comes more from like my friends that were like birthed out of like um like an indie rock or punk metal like that sort of thing where it's like you're kind of like the deviant kid and then you get into making music and you start growing up and then you know you don't realize like oh maybe money is important until you're like fucking 30 because like yeah. you, know, you believe your whole life that like oh this doesn't matter fuck the man and blah 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 and then it's like well why can't I pay my bills it's because you're a fucking dumbass with money yeah uh, going to what you just talked about like some people are just comfortable doing one thing in life um, and that's what they want to do um, you know my parents have kept pretty steady jobs their entire life um, I've just been one of those people that's comfortable having two or three things cooking. You know, I, li- I like a job and a side hustle, but they don't teach you side hustle in school. Like there should be a class on side hustle. I feel like. <laughs> sure. They don't teach you fucking anything in school, man. I don't think that there's anything wrong with like, you know, I think the question always boils down to like, what is your 100%? Like, what do you need to feel um, successful and sustained? And that's different for everybody. And I think if you're somebody that has, you know, a nice full-time job, a career, and you're able to sustain everything off of that, and you just want to focus the rest of your time on rest and relaxation and family and stuff, that's fucking awesome. It's super cool. But I think that, you know, as we were talking about, if you want to get into this realm where it's like you want to do music as a full-time thing, um, you know, and you're working for yourself – regardless of whatever the the medium is i really think just putting all of your eggs into one basket when you work for yourself is like a really a recipe for disaster mm-hmm. and i've seen it on every on all levels of success you know what i mean i know plenty plenty of people that do different types of art and people even if we keep it to music like i know people in bands that tour all over the world that have been widely regarded and you know are still barely able to afford rent you know yeah but and that's i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that that just is what it is like you know it's really really difficult to sustain the, the the level of income that you may need i think it also too is like you know living within your means and all that stuff too but yeah it involves reflection you know do you want your first step to get there sooner or do you want it to go there later with more support you know i think it's a lot of questions you have to ask yourself mhm with you know getting aging and getting older it seems like you are you know 
in a pretty comfortable space and it feels like you have a pretty good idea of what you want to do musically. I'm curious, you know, like moving forward, not to jump too much in the future because who knows what the future holds, but are there, are, are there any styles of music that you haven't pursued that you would be interested in pursuing in the future or just maybe anything in general, even outside of music that you would maybe be interested in pursuing? I know we're trying to keep the focus on music, but just as a person, what are you interested in? I'm interested in selling my own merchandise and creating my own art, whether it's a poster or a painting or something like that. Um, I could see me, you know, doing that later in life. As far as like deep down the road, there's some old hobbies like I like to get back into again. Like I used to hunt a lot um, when I was a kid here and there with my dad. Actually, I won't even say a lot. It was just whenever. I said yes and just sat there kind of thing. Um, I would like to get into that now because I appreciate nature more as I'm getting older and I appreciate, you know, a lot of things that nature brings food and sunlight and just that, that silence that kind of gives your mind a little bit of ease. Cause right now with everything I do, every, my goal is to make mentally things less cluttered as I go forward and getting into activities like hunting or, um, you know, tennis, I always loved tennis in high school. So I plan on like, you know, being one of those old guys that plays tennis. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Um, more hobbies, really nothing, nothing really business wise. Cause I think I already know what I want to do right now for income. I'm thinking more or less things for fun when I get older. I Skiing. think I, I, I've always said that my, uh, my old man hobby is going to be model trains. <laughs> i'm really looking forward to it like you know have the whole fucking little neighborhood with all all the little stores and all that shit all the tiny little lights and the people yeah i've like always been fascinated by that shit ever since i was a kid i have no idea why but i fuck with model trains right and it just gives you a uh, environment you're having fun with i mean that's what you want to do when you get older you just want to make your environment full of things you love i feel like Mm-hmm. If if you uh, <laughs> if you could, okay. So this is uh, maybe I should ask this question first. Um, do you have any interest in like um, entertainment outside of music? Maybe just like as a personal like enjoyment, like uh, film, television, anything like that. Are you into Are you into TV uh, clothing. movies? Clothing, yeah. I like to model clothing. I was at before okay. COVID, like before March. I was actually filling out some like applications for that. Um, you know, I, I got, I, I really like fashion. I think that's really the cool thing, especially fashion and art, you know, fashion and music. I think that's what kind of got me into the clothing world a little bit. Um, yeah, that's something I, I could, I kind of see me doing, but um, can't think of anything right now off the top of my head other than that of recently. I'm sure it will come back. <laughs> sure. Well, the thing I was going to ask was, I was like, you know, in terms of not necessarily making uh, movies or anything like that, but just like watching movies, like if you could ever like have your music in like a movie or a TV show, would there, oh, is yeah. there anything that would like come to mind for you that you would love to like be a part of? I think I need to do a little bit more research on that, honestly, because I'm looking into now, like what are the options for submitting music? Cause I have, I've just never done it. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of on the fruition of getting to learn about, where can your music go? Could it go in a movie? Could it go in a video game? Is it elevator music or not? You know, I don't, there's a couple of things I don't know about that, but um, 
through contacts and stuff right now, we, we do have resources within the band, outside the band to submit music to places that hopefully will get us heard somewhere. Yeah, it's fun. I think that it's definitely uh, an avenue that you should pursue because you have a very accessible sound that I think could be applied in a lot of different places. So definitely take advantage of that. You know, it's something that admittedly I've never really had the luxury of being able to do because all the music that I make is just like loud nonsense. While there are places for it, it's just not, you know, the opportunities are far more slim than something like you're doing now with the modeling and being a part of that world there's a lot of uh you know we'll say like more modern pop and dance and electronic music that's attached to that do you ever see like the luke welts dance remix for a fashion show happening ah uh, maybe <laughs> i'm very energetic on stage i mean i dance around already and i, I kind of have some of a, a background dance i feel like you know life's about what you want to put your energy into and it could be music and maybe just wearing clothes. Maybe maybe that's all I'm thinking about right now. I'm sure it might be other things, but (laughs) do you find yourself engaging with styles of music, maybe on a personal level ever outside of what you create? Like just as a listener, like, like the roots and rhythm mix radio station. I have to listen to a lot. Like uh, bluegrass recently has been really cool to listen to. It's a genre of music. I haven't, really delved into too much when you were growing up did you engage with a lot of music on a personal level did you have any like favorite bands or anything like in high school yeah i liked Jimi hendrix early on growing up i liked amy winehouse uh i liked a lot of the early r&b like sam cook and al green um stuff like that i really wasn't into rock and roll until later on i, I more or less like the smooth kind of like the smooth jazz kind of stuff, you know, because those sound those chords sound really pretty on a piano, especially. Um, and I was basically doing more instrumentation stuff early on. That was something I really liked to do. And, you know, it helps having guys in the band, like in my band, the lead guitarist, he's heavily influenced by like Led Zeppelin and different, you know, rock and roll groups. And it's, I've had band members chew my songs up and spin them out. And they just sound harder, more full, just better overall because they have that that attitude and that grayness and that edge to it. Yeah, I think that it's definitely really, really cool to uh, put those different elements into music. And I had mentioned it before at the top of the conversation where like, I'm hearing all of these really cool, just different inspirations coming together. And I think it creates more of a it's just more of an impact at the end of the day i i compare writing songs to cooking a lot and you know it's like you you don't just want to have like one spice when you're cooking you need to at least have a few different things to like make the plate like really like oh wow come together and it's always really cool when like oh i wouldn't have expected this and this to go together but it tastes great so it's fun to do that with music as well it is and i would just like to make a shower right now because Apple Eye Studio is a great place to work. They give you so many resources. They teach you how to just do everything better, play your instrument better, sing better. Um, Sean, Sean Rue and Brandy Starbello are great people outside of music, just as human beings. I love them. Um, I would do anything for them. And they're just really good people. But they teach you how to do things, and, and they teach you confidence, which is really helpful as an artist because you know you're your worst critic and everything like that um 
they're the reason why a lot of these songs sound the way they are because this this record has been been working since may so it kind of feels like it's been the slow cooker for a while and we've just we only get to work on maybe once a week or get together or bring an artist in once a week so it's been just little 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 things and even at the end things seem like they're still overwhelming because there's so much and the amount of time is um you know just it's just because of my schedule basically like i could go over there a lot more but my schedule kind of keeps me from being more patient but it's a good process um and the studio will make you better because it pushes you vocally instrumentally to do things that maybe you weren't doing before live absolutely and i think that to piggyback off your point of just like how long it takes for things to come together i think that that's why no matter what style of music it is whether it's something i like or if i don't like anytime somebody's putting out an album I have to, you know, my hat's off to them because it is so much work to put together an album. And like, you know, it seems like absurd sometimes to some people like, you know, I've had like kids on the podcast. They're like 19 years old. And I tell them it took me a year to put an album together. And they look at me like I'm crazy. It's like, motherfucker. It's like, you know, I'm not fresh out of high school, still able to just record and do all this shit 24-7 like you can. And I'm glad that you can. Take advantage of that now because it ain't going to be like this forever, dude. So, you know, but with the amount of time that it takes, it's just like you really have to give artists respect that are able to get together on a enough of a basis to learn the material, rehearse it, record it, mix it get it together, inevitably re-record something, remix something, like all of the nitty-gritty stuff that you have to do before it finally is done. And then somebody puts that out there into the world, and it's like, you know, you need to acknowledge how much time and effort and heart has gone into just these, you know, eight, nine, ten songs, whatever it is, even if it's just like, you know, three or four songs, a little EP, there's still so much that went into it. But it's so hard to, like advertise that to people because people will just like oh okay cool here's a few songs and i'll listen to them and you know a half hour later i'll go about my day meanwhile you yeah. know you spent a year of your life on it it's crazy yeah you do. and some of it's because your own fault like how many people you know go in the studio and they're just not prepared enough like something sean told me when we were first started working together he goes you're easy at work this because you know your material and i think you get the scratch track down and you know your material Sometimes that could take forever. But for me, I, I was practicing enough on a regular basis that I kind of went in and the base for everything was kind of there, you know. And then the longer parts have been building up and getting guest artists in and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, I think pre-production is huge. So I play in a heavy metal band and we just recorded four songs this past weekend. Um, but before we even went into the studio, we self-recorded the entire EP, like individually tracked all of the drums, all the bass, all the guitar, all the vocals, mixed it ourselves, figured it all out, got every little nuance down before we went into the studio. And then we recorded it again. And we recorded four songs in like two and a half days, just like real fast. And because we knew everything and that was it, we just flew through it because we had already taken the time to rehearse the material, play it a lot, play it a lot, actually record it and then be like ready to go. Cause it's, the worst whenever you go into the studio and I've been in this position where you go in and all of a sudden you realize like, like, you know, Oh, 
both my guitar players have been playing different things this entire time, and I didn't even notice. Yeah. Yeah. What? It's a headache. It's yeah. a headache. I think, like, recovery is huge for people who give out energy all the time. You know, if you're giving out that energy, you need to bring it in in some way because you're going to get headaches in your studio. You're going to get headaches working with people, um, you know, in being patient is a big lesson that's a little frustrating i feel like for me but um it's been a good lesson so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah patience is super super important because i think that you know thanks to social media and the state of the world in general these days i feel like we're all convinced and told that we need to move fast you gotta do this now get it done now do this now and you see everybody else always doing all of these fucking things but it's just not realistic it's not a sustainable way of living if you want to do things properly no america runs on stimulants (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was duncan no i changed it (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, with the album that you're going to be releasing soon enough, do you have a, like, time frame of when this thing is coming out? Or are you still wrapping up stuff on it? I don't want to give any specific dates. Um, I'm very hopeful for January, February. Um, that's just kind of like a vague description because right now we're still scheduling guest artists to come in and we're learning their schedules right now. Oh, so yeah. Oh yeah, that that shit's gonna be a while. <laughs> you know, yeah. it always takes longer than you want it to. It does, but we have a couple. Of, we 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 really only got two to three left, and then it's pretty much just touching up the main vocals after that because everything else is done. So cool. Yeah, I mean, stretches here, and I'm 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 so excited because I've had so many times this year. I just wanted to like jerk my knee and go release it release it now like you know like get it out yeah i want people to hear it so much because i i love it so um i'm i'm you know glad that we're taking our time i think people are going to hear the patience in the music cool but people can find you on the internet if they would like to do so you do have a website it's just lukewelts.com correct and you also are on the Facebooks and the internets and the Instagrams and all that stuff. You let people know where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. If you type in my name, Luke Welts Music, on Facebook, you'll find my music page there. Um, my main Instagram account is just Luke Welts. Uh, you can also just type in my name on YouTube, find it there. Twitter, you can follow me on there. I mean, I like I need followers. I honestly, guys, I need followers on all these platforms. <laughs> I'm a little behind the game. So uh, help me out. And, uh, you know, the website as well, lukewilds.com. There's show dates on there. Eventually, there will be merchandise. And there are some demo tracks. And I'll be creating other videos, behind-the-scenes stuff, and putting them on the website as well as the other social media platforms. Super cool, man. Well, oh, and, uh, yeah, uh, can I make a couple other plugs? Absolutely. Uh, I like to plug Apple Eye Studio. Shout out to Sean and Brandy. Uh, they are on Facebook as well. Um, you can find some of the artists that are on the record on Facebook, Instagram as well. You can find Eric Smatsko. You can find Joe Scheller, uh, Aubrey Birchall, Jake Jones, Anthony Farine, Nate Figler, Chris Volpe, Maria Michelle. Um, 
I really don't want to be forgetting anybody right now. If I forgot you, I'm so sorry. But just like message me and we'll make sure. Can we do that? Can we put in the links or something? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We will get a hold of you. I'm pretty sure that's mostly everybody. Everybody that's in my band, I think the others I mentioned as well. Um, yeah. It's a lot of people. Oh, Ray. Ray. I'm sorry. Ray. Ray from East Coast Turnaround. Shout out to Ray. You got Turnaround. a lot. You got a lot of people. You have, you have a lot of people under you. And I think that that's really cool that you've been able to, you know, cultivate this little community within a community to put this album together i'm excited to hear these tracks when they're done it seemed like you were doing some pretty interesting stuff on the pre-pro stuff so be sure to definitely let me know when it's coming out and uh aside from all of that i just want to thank you for taking the time to chat today and uh dude i really appreciate it man i really really do anytime anytime man this is this is a great time this is something new for me and uh i appreciate you inviting me on the show Definitely, man. So with all that being said, I'm going to do my outro and then I'm going to let you get about your day since, you know, it's technically like 10 p.m. for you right now, <laughs> even though it's two in the afternoon. You worked yeah. all damn night. Jeez Louise. I'll, I'll, I'll probably pour another drink, honestly. Hey, rock and, <laughs> rock and roll, brother. Well, thank you for being here. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much. One more time. Luke Welts. I appreciate you being here. I'll be back again in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat 2020. Woo woo! Thanks for listening. And that's a podcast. That's it. I'm just going to fade this out. And we did it. We made it happen.